welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's episode was recorded on January the 30th, 2024. I'm your host, Game Psychologist, and with me, as always, uh, the black dress... Or no, was it the red dress? The red dress had to be washed. Now he's in the black dress, and we're ready yeah, to and there finish was a terrible, show. There, there was a terrible incident with the Chicago bot, so we had to shut down the venue for a while. We did. We did, indeed. Good old Chic Hydra butt. Uh, yeah, so... Uh, you know, we're back from outer space. Uh, some things happened last week, and it interrupted us recording part one and part two, mm-hmm. two weeks in a row of the VGL Awards. But hey, we're here. Better late than never, right? Yeah. So yeah, plus, it gives us uh, more time with SteamWorld uh, build. It does. Uh, more time to try and pry me away from uh, Baldur's Gate three. <laughs> And as we mentioned before we were recording, a smidgen of Power World, which will come up. I don't want to get into that discussion again, especially because it's 1030 and we're just now getting started with the recording proper. So do you um, do you want to do you want to start or do you want me to start? Like, we're just going to dive in dicks first. Uh, Okay, clear my throat. Sorry. So uh, to start block three. Uh, we are going to go with the Niche Scratcher. The Niche Scratcher has always been a game that, you know, for you or I, that's like, it's kind of a niche thing. It's very much our thing, and it's something that we can dig into and enjoy that maybe a lot of other people wouldn't. For me this year, uh, I went with Railroaders. I love train sims, but lots of times I have a hard time finding a train sim that I really, really vibe with because either you get something that's so realistic that it's difficult to play which some people like that and that's okay or you get something that says it's being a train simulator but really it's not it's some other type mm-hmm. of thing a management game or it's a little more arcadey and that's just fine sent you choo choo charles for christmas oh god fucking spider train no thank you <laughs> but um railroaders hey, but it doesn't pretend to not be a train that's true that's true uh so railroaders is a train simulation game that is simulating a uh, rail line in the Appalachian Mountains, um, roughly in the 1940s, 1950s, something like that. Um, and it 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 covers a lot of bases. I don't think I've had a chance to talk about this properly on the show, and I'm going to. But the the best way I can describe it is um, it feels kind of like SnowRunner in the ways that it gives you missions and jobs to do as you're sort of rebuilding this railway, but it is very simulatory um, without being too nitty gritty. Like it strikes a really good balance in doing some economy stuff in doing a lot of like, okay, I'm going to manage my rail yard and I have to like get the trains set up just so and travel distances and watch my speed, but you don't have to shovel coal into um, you know, into the uh, the 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 furnace, um, into the tinderbox rather to to uh, keep your steam pressure up. So very good. I played this for about forty hours in December, um, like right at the end of the year. And you know, the knee scratcher for me kind of regularly falls down to like one or you know a couple of games. It's been a weird thing here or there, but usually it's just something like really weird. And this one is very. Not weird, but it does fall perfectly into an actual niche of, like, train sims. So, that's me. What about you? Well, for me, I, I kind of fell into this one hard in the early part of the year. And 
kind of got obsessed for a while. And we played this one together for, what, a couple months? Yeah. I will admit, I kind of fell off of it for a bit. I do intend to go back to it at some point. But Space Engineers. Just how crazy things could get in that game. And just kind of just walling away the hours. Building random shit, right? Yeah. Uh, I do believe uh, you are still on uh, the server... Holding a pa- holding a box of fish sticks in your uh, cryo tube. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Thank you. Uh, but yeah, it, it's a game about uh, finding creative solutions for problems that you've created yourself. You know. Yeah. Like, I need iron. Well, I'm going to build a uh, mining uh, vessel. Oh, this mining vessel is not very good. Let me uh, yeah, let me tweak it a little bit. Let me uh, yeah, let me upgrade this. Let me toy around with this. Next thing you know, the sun's coming up, right? Yeah. And that's even before you start getting into the botting scene, which, oh boy, there's some uh, fun ones. You know, like having, uh, adding more aviation-focused parts, having a more meaningful NPC existence on the server. Because in the base game, it's pretty much not a lot going on. There's some stuff going on, uh, but on Earth where... I started. Not a lot going on. Yeah. Uh, but you can have it where, you know, bases will pop up every so often. Maybe a, a hostile uh, vehicle will uh, swing by and take some pot shots at you. And it kind of spices things up, you know? Yeah. And then you, uh, you're, it gives you another project to uh, build. You know, like, uh, you, you seem to really like my little hover tanks I built. I love those. Those are so good. <laughs> yeah, I downloaded a mod that uh, uh, had hover engines. And originally I was going to build a scout vehicle. And I put, like, the motorcycle seat on it to, you know, uh, drive it around. And it's like, why don't I just put a gun on this? <laughs> it ended up being, like, this really effective little sniper tank. I mean, it's <laughs> fragile as hell, but... It wasn't originally built to be a tank. Uh, yeah, uh, something that goes into main combat. But yeah, it, it's just little things like that. And then, yo, then you just have a giant uh, spaceship crash uh, into the side of your uh, base. <laughs> because yo, your uh, uh, turrets decide to take out its engines and it yo, can't fly without those. Right? Yeah. I mean, I sent, important. I, I sent you that screenshot. Yeah, you did. Yeah, so uh, there's something on the lawn. <laughs> Whoopsie daisy. Made a mess. Yeah, I think uh, the reason why I uh, put it down for a bit is that I captured a ship. Uh, a large grid, very large ship. That was actually bigger than the base that's attached to. <laughs> Mind mm-hmm. you, I, I, I had a fairly decent sized base and it was kind of overwhelming of just what to do with uh, do next and then I shot down another one and I put it down uh, intending to pick it back up and just never did but yeah it's just uh, the I I love little building games and having uh, yeah, yeah, engineering challenges to uh, solve so that, what, that, that that's what really got me with this one yeah Bring out the logistics of 
uh, base management, how to uh, pipe stuff around, uh, moving uh, production to a safer spot. You know, when uh, the enemies decide uh, to start dropping by a little bit more often, that sort of thing. Yeah, but also just uh, you know tinkering with things. I'm a bit of a tinkerer with uh, uh, my gadgets, so having space engineers uh, really kind of scratch that niche, which I need to scratch again, it feels like. Sounds so, like it. Uh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, sounds like it. Yeah. So what's... Maybe I'll defrost you, and oh, you could take the worm out and crash it again. Crash it, yeah, crash into something. I'm not the best designer. Well, well, the thing is that you built a plunge uh, miner, and they're very hard to control. Yeah, especially with... Because you were using a more realistic aerodynamics mod, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah, and so you, especially and, for that. Yeah, you didn't realize it at the time. Yeah. And I think you're... Uh, and I'm pretty sure if I was to look at the center and mass on that thing, it's pretty high up on it. It's very high, and all of the storage containers are very low. So the center of mass does change as you fill it up, but in mm-hmm. the beginning, it's very unstable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, whenever I flew it to try to move it to a place that was less in the way, it was a little touch and go there. Yeah. So, greatest disappointment of the year. So, who's ready to talk about KSP2 again? Sounds uh, like you are. Uh, actually, this is a, a shared one. This is uh, both KSP2 and City Skylines 2. Two games I was really looking forward to. And both of them are just in such rough shape. I, I there's, I, 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 I'm starting to get a, a, a rule that if I'm on the main menu and I hear my GPU firing up to maximum and the game's doing nothing, that's a really bad sign. Yeah, both those both these games did that. They're technically playable. KSP two a little bit more so right now because it had had a, a little bit more time uh, in the early access oven. But both of them are just so rough. It is unbelievable that they uh, were pushed out in this state. City Skylines two uh, has major bugs with it that if you were to play it as a management game rather than a city painter, which I know city skylines, it's not really a management game. It's about building a pretty city. It has a management layer. Sure. But it's, that's not the meat of the game. It's about making uh, little pretty cities and then getting pissed off at the traffic. But City Skylines 2 has a bug in it where uh, the essentially what you build uh, in the very beginning of the game uh, starts accumulating uh, land value to the point that it basically becomes unaffordable for anybody. So you start uh, seeing uh, essentially a giant hole in your city uh, slowly expanding outwards. And not in a good way, if you know what I'm saying. Wink. Sorry, there's uh, uh, on the city skylines uh, subreddit. There's so many people that are saying uh, uh, for uh, to fix issues. Just enable dev mode and do this. Uh, no, 
No, no, you shouldn't have to do, <laughs> enable dev mode to fix something like that. Especially on the regular. Mm-hmm. And I'm just double checking. I mean, City Skylines 2 is a $50 game, and it's not even early access. I mean, you could make the excuse for KSP 2 that, oh, sure, it's just early access. Never mind the fact that it's a $60 game, right? Or a $50 game. But it's still just, both of them are so, so difficult to uh, recommend to, to anybody to play. Yeah. Even at this point, it's just, it's such a disappointment. And I was excited for both of these. Yeah. Well, there's some similarities in what you talked about and what I, or what you put on yours and what I put on mine. Uh, mine is Starfield. I put Starfield being so bad, and I don't know if that's, you know, on, on reflection, I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but Starfield is a weird one. It's this weird mix and amalgamation of, like, my feelings about games the gaming industry. I didn't, I wasn't hopeful for Starfield. Like I talked about this at length during the episode. So obviously like for the, for the full rundown, you can go back and listen to that game club episode, but I wasn't excited for Starfield per se. And I didn't have a lot of expectations for it, but the fact that it was so middling. Yeah. So front loaded and then so mediocre and pointless and like such a waste of time. And it had all of the technical problems that it did, which you know, if your GPU fires up to 100% when you're not doing anything, just standing in a corridor, <laughs> staring at a wall, like, something's going on. Now, see, and, I didn't have that issue because I have an AMD uh, uh, card. Right. And it's and it's a reflection of, of the state of the gaming industry as well. You know, kind of a microcosm of, you know, no, you're wrong. From from their point, because it was very much like it had the same kind of energy of like, you know, do people not have phones mm-hmm. when uh, it was asked about optimization? He's like, ah, I guess you just need a better computer. Mm-hmm. You know, those kinds of things. And it's just. Mm-hmm. I cannot believe how disappointed I am in a game that I didn't have super great hopes for in the first place. I'd be lying if I said I didn't want it to be good. I want every game I play or am interested in to be good. but. I don't very rarely do I have expectations of any game and especially a Bethesda game, you know, at this point, like, I mean, the writing has been on the wall for a long time for Bethesda. And there are some things because of my personality, like we've gotten into discussion about Skyrim a bunch of times. And there are some things because of my personality that I, I like more, I can put up with more. Um, but Skyrim is definitely not as good of a game as their previous entries in, in, in any aspect, except, you know, graphical fidelity. And that kind of trend seems to continue. Maybe a little bit of quality of life features or uh, gameplay features, you know? Yeah. But, you know, Starfield is just like the next conclusion of that. Like, well, there's a YouTuber that I watch and I've mentioned him before, patrician TV. And he does these massive, like he did an eight hour Morrowind deep dive, a 12 hour Oblivion, a 20 hour Skyrim and an eight hour, uh, Starfield, like, you know, deep dive review dissection, whatever. Um, and he made a joke in his Skyrim, uh, video from two years ago now, I guess year and a half, something like that. That was like, you know, these games are designed so much around fast travel that like you, you know, you just watch in Starfield, you're going to have to fast travel everywhere. 
And like, that was a joke. And then it's like, oh, wait, they went and did it. You know, it's like. So I was extremely disappointed in in Starfield and kind of as an extension through Starfield, just kind of the games industry in general. You know, it's like I have come to expect this from them and they still are able to disappoint me with Starfield is the Todd Howard of Todd Howard games. Yeah, absolutely. There's uh, so many things in Starfield that uh, it's obvious that Todd Howard wanted the, uh, it to be there, but uh, there was no reason to be there. You know, like the base building. <laughs> the yeah. base building is there essentially to build resources for the uh, uh, radiant uh, quests that, that give you cash, but you don't really need the cash because you're getting cash. Right. <laughs> The base building is there because that's what you're supposed to have in a space survival exploration game. And even though Starfield wasn't that, it's pretending to be that. So it's there for that because Todd said it needed to be because that's the kind of game that we want to have. You know, Forget that either it doesn't have or never have or those mechanics were removed. You know, No, no, no. It has to be there because that's what it's supposed to be. It's, it's, it's no, it's the kids who are wrong uh, for game design. So... But yeah, that's that's it. It's just I think the easiest way to say it is that it's an expression of my disappointment in the gaming industry, all refined down to one game and gaming experience, mm-hmm. which this year was Starfield. So moving on, the next thing, the maybe I'm old award. Um, and maybe I'm old, but I don't I don't understand the games that my kid and his friends play. Like I I've talked about this as in sort of small kind of micro events on an episode here or there, or like personally to you or it shows up in Franken content. I just don't understand. I don't understand Roblox. Anything that you can play on Roblox is uh, like, it's a shittier version of a game elsewhere. Lots of times that are free. I don't understand the way that people, you know, the way that quote unquote, the kids these days play even like Minecraft a game that I recognize and can play, but Minecraft has become such a different beast with its own sort of lore and world building. Oh, this ties into mine. <laughs> that I just, I don't understand. My kid will talk to me about something. I'm like, who is that? What is that? What is this? What are you talking? It's like, oh, it's in Minecraft. I'm like, Minecraft? Like, Minecraft from, like, two years ago, when, like, you and I were killing the Ender Dragon, and, like, you know, I realized you were, like, way better at this game than me, and this was the first, like, yeah, Dad, well, there's these people and this thing, and they built this, and it's, go online, and there's, like, Bed Wars, I'm like, what's Bed Wars? It's, like, I know what Bed Wars is, I learned, but it's, you know, and I fundamentally still don't understand, um, Fortnite, and there's like the new Fortnite Lego thing, and I don't know if it's a separate game or if it's part of Fortnite or if it, who knows? I don't understand. I don't understand Among Us. I thought I understood Among Us. I've played Among Us at times. I have enjoyed Among Us, but not the Among Us that my kid and his and his friends play with weird. I don't know. <laughs> it's all YouTube culture stuff, and 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 and. The back rooms, I don't understand that. And there's a new one now that's kind of like back rooms, but it's not. And I don't even know what it's called. But I see my kid <laughs> wanting to play it, and I'm like, "The fuck? It's ha- it's happening to me in the one thing that I thought I would be able to resist for a long time. But it's like, I'm just old. 
I'm just old, and I don't get the culture of the kids these days. And that's okay. I don't have to. But I get so confused by the games that my kid and his friends play. Because in it, even stuff that I recognize, like Minecraft or, or you know, whatever, I'll come in and I'll be like, what are you, what are you playing? That looks like Minecraft, kind of. And it's, you know, they're doing some weird thing that they saw in a YouTube video and they're building something or doing something that's like part of a weird challenge. YouTube culture, man. Yeah. I mean, that's, it, that, that's pretty much uh, uh, to the extent of mine. Mine is uh, my coworkers listening to them talk about games. And, it, and it's more of a broader spectrum, though. So the, my youngest coworkers, there's a couple that, of girls I call the Idols. Uh, they're uh, high schoolers, uh, seniors to be exact. Uh, and then there's all the way up to, I think the oldest is about five or six years older than me. I'm yeah. definitely on the upper spectrum. But hearing the idols talk about uh, bubble games and just no idea what the fuck they're talking about. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, which I will say that bubble gaming for me is like a black hole uh, anyway, because it always feels like it's not worth my time to really dive into because it's so predatory and there's so many microtransactions or if it's not microtransactions, it's time gated. But if you, uh, but that ties back into the microtransactions. If you don't want to wait, you know, uh, you know, an hour or whatever, you can you know, g- give us 50 cents, give us a dollar, give us $10, uh, give us uh, your social security number. So yep. I've always balked at a lot of mobile gaming, even though I know that there are paid games that, you know, it's one and done, but those are a rarity. Then another uh, uh, one of my, uh, like, little group of coworkers are really, really, really into Fortnite and start and go back and forth talking about Fortnite lore and talking about the different modes in it and just eyes glaze over. I've never really cared about Fortnite, let alone having to deal with Epic and you know all that nonsense as well. But yeah, hearing them uh, talk about you know uh, uh, the lore and uh, speculation on the next season, it's just damn. I feel out of place. Uh huh. And there's a couple others that you know uh, their uh, experience with gaming is well. I play Bejeweled, <laughs> right? Yeah. That's that's the two ends of the spectrum right there. <laughs> or uh, uh, Chicken Sensei is really into like this mobile Monopoly game uh, that he's playing with a couple others, and it's all time-gated. And I'm just standing here thinking, damn, that sounds like so boring. You know? Yeah. Because at each turn, it doesn't go until, like, the next day. And, don't get me wrong, Monopoly's fucking boring on its own. Which, I know, I know. It's a lot better if you play by the official rules and you don't add all the house rules, but, honestly, Monopoly is just a tedious game to begin with. Yeah, Monopoly's not a good game. Even, yeah, I don't, I don't want to get too far off on the weeds here into Monopoly, but even playing by the rules that makes it tolerable, Monopoly is not a good game. So there's just, yeah, you know, like different camps of 
maybe I'm old uh, and having the one coworker that's just like, yeah, I really like Bejeweled and, you know, these match threes are like, that's the one thing I understand. <laughs> and, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, oh, uh, we're old. It's happening. We're yeah. old. Yeah. It's not maybe I'm old. It's I am old. Maybe we should rename this one uh, next year to get off my fucking lawn. Get off my lawn. Absolutely. I'm here for that. So we're up to our first Game of the Year award. Yeah. The uh, Video Game Logic Award. And for me, there's there was only one answer. Cassette Beasts. It runs on Video Game Logic. Mm-hmm. Uh, these uh, uh, cassettes turn us into beasts. Uh, how does it work? We don't know. We don't care. It just does it. The entire game uh, is just video game logic, the game. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Didn't even there... uh, uh, register with you to them. Oh. Well, I mean, I, I, yeah, I thought of, it's one of those things It's just like you accept, you know, like suspension mm-hmm. disbelief, like you accept stuff like that. It's like okay, I'm I'm you know I'm playing this video game. I'm in this world, but yeah, no, you're right. It's it's just a hundred percent like they never explain it. It just is. Yeah. It just is, and it's not even a way that you can kind of look at it and kind of tilt your head sideways and be like, okay, I can see it. No, absolutely not. It makes no sense, but it's okay. It still works. Mm-hmm. Uh, mine was Ixian. Um, I put like in parentheses that you can see. You can't birth new children. But there are a lot of little things in this game. Uh, Ixion is, I talked about this several months ago on the show, is a survival, like a a space station management survival post-apocalyptic game where that some stuff happens, you wind up having to leave the Earth and go to try to colonize a new solar system. And there are a lot, there's a lot of video game logic in this game about how things work. And I enjoyed the game and I enjoyed the story that it told. But it's like, I'm out in space for years, decades. Why are we not having new children? Why are these management policies like, you know, why why can we not, like, change things in smaller increments? Why can we not, you know, why can't we cremate the bodies and the trash at the same time? Like... Well, why just, can't uh, we do both of those Uncle things? George hold the bag of trash. Yeah, like why can't we do both of those things at the same time? Why do I have to build this platform before I can build the extra solar panels that I need? Like and you know, it's just it's video game logic. It's all like progression stuff you have to do that you have to do some useless stuff that gets in the way and eats up resources before you can do the truly useful things that you need to do or you have to make choices. And I like the game, but, you know, I, I enjoy it. I think it's a good game. I think it's worth playing. But it has lots of those things in it where it's like, yeah, okay, all right, fine. I see what you're doing. <laughs> what you do? Well, to the game. So, yeah. That is uh, the Video Game Logic Award. So... Next, the biggest video game flop that isn't Evolve. Poor Evolve. We haven't talked about it in years in any context except when we, you know, put its name in our mouths for the awful game 
you know, video game flop. Uh, mine this year, though, was Lord of the Rings Go- Gollum. Yeah, I, <laughs> I mean, all, that, that has to be it. I almost forgot about this game, but I'm, like, thinking, like, I'm racking my brain, like, what are some flops this year? And, you know, I remember Boy, Red... Were there some good ones. There were some good ones. And I remembered Redfall, and I thought about considering Starfield as flop, but then I decided to put it in the disappointment category. And so then I, like, I just Googled, like, video game flops for this year. And as soon as I saw Lord of the Rings, like, before I even read the entire title of whatever, like, you know, Polygon article, you know, fluff piece I was reading, when I saw Lord of the Rings, I went, oh, yeah, Lord of the Rings Gollum came out this year. And then I did, went, eh, came out with air quotes uh, because of how broken that game was. And to my knowledge, still is. Did they ever fix it? The developer got shut down. So, no, they never fixed it. No, they never... uh, Lord of the Rings Gollum is such a sad uh, tale. Because uh, the developer was well-known for their point-and-click adventures. And basically wanted to branch out. And for whatever reason, got the Lord of the Rings IP. And spent a bunch of cash on it. And... uh, I guess you could do something interesting with Gollum. But I don't know why they decided to do it this way, you know? Yeah. So it looks like Lord of the Rings Gollum got a couple of patches before the studio shut down. And some people are saying it makes the game... (laughs) I quote, With the latest patch in, in July, the game is now pretty playable. That is... The most damning with faint praise I think I've I've heard in a while. Now that they f- have fixed it, it's pretty playable. I mean, it's just sad because you look at the developer, and they did a lot of, like, adventure games and point clicks. I mean, they did uh, Pillars of the Earth. Yeah. Um, Such a sad, sad state. Yeah. So, yeah, so... I saw you already had Gollum, you know, which was like my number one choice. So I decided to go on to the list of video game flops and pick one out myself. And I picked out Redfall, which was Arcane Studios' uh, answer uh, to a question nobody asked. What happens if you make Left 4 Dead, uh, but you know, forget to program all the enemies in? <laughs> Forget air quotes. I remember watching some reviews about this game when it came out, and there were so many reviewers that just would go from point A to point B. It's okay. Left 4 Dead's probably not the proper uh, term for, or yeah, comparison to this. It's uh, more uh, even saying an open world isn't uh, the proper thing for it because it's more. uh, It's like a contained like town map mm-hmm. but yeah you can go anywhere in the town as far as I could tell but there was uh, reviewers that would go from point A to point B for their missions and not see a fucking thing attack them which is rather damning for a you know, hey, first person shooter right yeah uh, once again a studio that is well known for making good games just for whatever reason, you know, shit out this turd. Although this one seemed a lot more like corporate meddling, pushing 
them into making this one outside of, you know, for whatever reason, getting up IP that they had no business with. Yeah. I mean, this, yeah, is, this is, yeah, yeah, this is Arcane Studios, which, you know, we did pray from them, you know? Yeah. Prey uh, was was yeah, good. Wolfenstein, Deathloop. Okay, Deathloop maybe not so much, but but yeah, they they have a pedigree. They know how to build uh, good games. But first or person multiplayer focused, uh, not so much. So, yeah, not so much. Which you know makes sense. Like you take a developer that is good at doing a thing or a couple of types of things, you know, and you take that away from them and try to make them do something else. Like, of course they're gonna, you know, struggle. Like maybe this is a, an extreme kind of example of that, but like, of course someone's going to struggle when you throw them way out of their element. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not surprised. Saddened, but not surprised. Mm-hmm. Which that seemed to be the case for a lot of stuff this year. Just, yeah, developers either pushing out something that, and a desperate hope of it catching on or, you know, getting pushed into something that they aren't comfortable with. Yeah. Tale as old as time. So what's next? Uh, What you got next? The least favorite game club game, a dubious game of the year. And for me, it was need for speed unbound, which yes, yes, I know. I picked the damn thing. It, but the thing is that the physics on that game just felt so wrong for a racing game that it just made me absolutely hate it from uh, start to finish. Uh, it was more focused on like drift racing, you know, uh, doing fancy tricks, and not you know getting from point A to point B as fast as possible, which you know you would think uh, would be you know a high priority in a racing game. I mean, yeah. The whole graphics issue of, uh, for whatever reason, uh, the world and uh, the cars and everything were in, you know, reasonably high uh, quality uh, graphics, but then player models and and NPC uh, models were, you know, like, uh, looks like uh, cell shading, but they forgot to turn on the cell shading filter, you know? Yeah. Uh, I I I can get past that. I. I actually kind of like the effects that they had on the cars whenever, you know, you'd boost and, you know, you'd see, uh, you know, it glow. Or if you did the boost in the air, it'd have, like, little wings that would make you fly a little bit further, that sort of thing. But the game just never felt like it really was pulling off what it was trying to do. And it might also just be the fact that, you know, AAA company talking about going to the streets and being underground. No, no. No, not, not EA these days. <laughs> no. Yeah, I will say, Need for Speed Unbound, like, a lot of the Game Club games from this year were fine. Like, we had some standout ones, there were some very good ones, but, like, when it comes to me picking this one out, I had to think about, like, which ones are ones that I actually had some problems with? Even though most of them, maybe all of them this past year, were pretty good. Like, which ones did I actually have a problem with? And I thought about Need for Speed, but for me, Need for Speed was just like, it was fine. Some cringy moments. Didn't love it. Didn't hate it. Felt kind of middle of the road to me overall. So, 
I don't want to. I don't want to like steal your thunder if you're not done talking about Need for Speed. I won't no, move into mine no, just yet. I, but... No, I'm pretty much done with Need for Speed uh, as a possibly as a franchise, but definitely Unbound. Yeah, uh, I uh, think there's definitely uh, uh, get, there could be a revolution for Need for Speed, but it wasn't this one. Yeah. So I, I'm just very quickly glancing at the list again, and it's like, yeah, uh, every almost every game we played this year was at was was fine i I don't remember playing anything this year that i was like this game sucks there were some that i didn't like love um but all of them you know off the top of my head like looking at the list like were pretty good and there were some that i was really in love with you're gonna get to hear about a couple of those in the final category but for me my worst game club of the year i thought was beat cop not because the game is bad, per se, but because I felt like it had the opportunity to do something, do something like very real with its story idea and its gameplay mechanics, and instead it tried to just be dumb and funny. It, it tried to do two or three different things at once and did none of them well. Yeah, and I don't think Beat Cop was bad, but Beat Cop to me was something that like, Looking at it, you know, thinking back on it, it's like you could have done so much more. If you had just focused down on one of these aspects or a couple of these aspects, you could have been so much better. And so Beat Cop for me was was my yeah, least favorite but, game, yeah, of, the it, it game uh, of the year. It definitely it definitely was up there for me. Uh they wanted to be the eighties cop uh, show. Well, okay, fine, be that. Then you have, you know, uh uh sexist assholes. Okay, well, now you're into, like, late 80s, early 90s gritty movie territory. Okay, fine. Uh, and then they moved back over to a uh, very cringe-inducing uh, uh, black gangs versus Italians. Yeah. Which feels almost like 70s or 60s, you know? Yeah. If they had stuck with the idea of uh the eight you know a, a game built to feel like an 80s cop show which 80s cop shows were so squeaky clean so sanitized yeah but uh, it was there was never really a question of who the good or bad guys were like in more modern uh storytelling it could have been an interesting like take on the uh on the genre or if they wanted to be more realistic on it, don't try to preface it with saying, well, this is a, an 80s cop show, you know? Yeah, yeah, I agree, 100%. Like, you know, if they had just picked a lane, or maybe a couple of lanes and stuck to them, they could have pulled off something that was a lot of fun or very serious and explored some, like, big ideas. But they didn't. They They kind of went middle of the road in the worst way mm. so yeah that was that was my my least favorite uh game club game of the year so moving into our final block our final category or if you know final set of set of awards for the night the first one the uh, gilded bird for biggest dick move of the year award there oh, were a <laughs> few contenders and some aspects of this, I believe, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some aspects of this have come up already. 
as kind of a counterpoint to the very first thing that I said. And mine is game game unionization again. Now, the very first thing that uh, award that I gave for the most memorable moment of the year was game studio unionization growth. But in the ultra capitalist hellscape that we live in, uh, the game studios have been fighting unionization hard, firing people, threatening people, um, doing things that are explicitly illegal, even in the United States, but that are not strictly enforced most of the time. And on top of that, like some of the awful, dirty tactics that they've been using, like beyond just regular stuff, you know, scabs, union busting techniques, whatever, like modern problems require modern solutions. And that modern solution for these companies is AI, Um, AI generation of of assets and even so far as like stories and dialogue with, you know, using vocal samples and stuff. Um. And there's so much in that sentence to dig into. And we've talked about AI and its applications a couple of times on the show, and I'm sure it'll come up again. But just awful, scummy, dehumanizing behavior. And you expect it from companies, like you should, you know, if you pay attention, like you should expect it from companies. But it still sucks to see, and it's still awful to watch these companies try to grind these people's lives into the dirt for a few more dollars. It just sucks. I hate it. So, fighting unions, biggest tick move move of the year, game studios. Well, for me, and this might just be because I'm more plugged into Splatoon and more Nintendo stuff these days, it's seeing Nintendo just going hard on tournaments, uh, just in general. So, uh, back in October, November, uh, Nintendo released a new set of tournament guidelines. For Super Smash Brothers and a bike extension Splatoon and uh, you know, uh, there are other you know, games that get played uh, uh, in the tournament scenes, and it is wild just how uh, hard they crack down. First of all, uh, they said no selling concessions at all. Mind you, these are day long events at least. With some of them being you know, like entire weekends for some of the ma- more major tournaments, yeah, no artist alleys, so you know, uh, no like merchandise or anything, which is yeah, you know, also what generates a lot of revenue for not just the tournament but also you know uh, you get artists in, you uh, make a uh, you know essentially a, a convention out of it. Uh, they're forcing, uh, okay. I haven't heard of Nintendo cracking down and actually using these rules yet, but it's also Nintendo. And, you know, Nintendo's known to be such a kind and cuddly uh, company when it comes to their IPs, right? Right. They're so good at that. They have never, ever gone (laughs) after somebody. So they must run the current version, uh, the most updated, with no modifications or... uh, or emulation or anything. It must be on official hardware, official versions, latest patches, and that's in response to the uh, uh, the uh, Super Smash Brothers scene wanting to use emulators during a fucking global pandemic that allowed network play. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't... Uh, uh, it was uh, Super Smash Brothers Melee, not Ultimate. 
uh, for GameCube. They wanted to use uh, emulators that would allow network play for GameCube. Well, this rule now says, nah, nah, not allowed, not allowed. Mind you, they also uh, sued that tournament to shut it down because, you know, all right. Of course. Uh, they're putting a hard cap on prize money <laughs> with a maximum of, uh, uh, well, it also depends on the, uh, the number of participants. Uh, community tournaments are now prohibited from having more than 200 participants, 300 for online tournaments, which sounds like a lot, but yeah, 300 for on- online tournaments, it, you could easily hit that. Uh, yeah. with entry fees capped at uh, $20, and the prize pools cannot exceed $5,000 uh, total and cannot exceed $10,000 in a 12-month ter- uh, year. Or 12-month uh, period, I should say. So, you know, if you're running you know, three tournaments a year, well, guess what? <laughs> you're not going to be uh, be able to do the 5000 cap anymore, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely not. And also, tournaments are not allowed to pr- uh, generate profit. Any surplus money must be returned to participants or spectators. And, oh, you can't uh, sell tickets either. <laughs> so, I'm making uh, faces. You can't see my face. Like, all right. I don't. Why? Right. I don't know what the point of that is. Because in, in a. Um, oh, if we took this with good faith, which I do not, but if we took this with good faith, you might say, like, okay, like, well, they're just trying to protect, you know, the individuals, players, consumers, whatever, from being taken advantage of by, you know, tournament holders that do shoddy things. Like, it happens sometimes. But the way that I'm reading this is, like, them trying to control and therefore shut down the tournament scene or anything or, that or, they don't... Or tournaments that they don't like. Yeah, exactly. Tournaments that they don't like. Yeah. So. I mean, they do allow you to submit for a license to get exemption from these guidelines. Uh, but it's, you know, yet another hoop to jump through, right? Yeah. And it feels more like, it's almost like the whole YouTube thing with them again, where if you're not playing by their rules, they're going to shut you down. Yeah. And it's more about the control than the money. So, yeah. Which checks out. That's an extremely Nintendo thing to do. Um, you know, they look, have always looked very family friendly, but... They, uh, you know, their company, just like anybody, or just like any other company. Oh, corporation. Yeah, corporation, rather. Thank you. But, okay. What you got next? So, the I'll Be Back Award, the game that we planned on returning (laughs) to. Uh, For me, Space Engineers, I kind of already covered this. Yeah, I kind of set it down because I hit a point where I just needed to step back and... They got consumed by other things. So, yeah. Yeah. Short and sweet on that one. Short and sweet. Mine, I I struggled. Not because I couldn't think of a game, but because I had so many games. But ultimately, the game that I want to come back to and I really want to finish is Persona 5. Um, I love... I really enjoyed Persona 5. It's it's up there as a contender for potential game of the year award for us you know we always discuss that on the show but like it's it's in the running for me um i thoroughly enjoyed it i enjoyed the mechanics i enjoyed kind of the psychology behind it i loved the story and all those intricate elements i love the soundtrack i still listen to the soundtrack 
um, a whole bunch of the songs from the soundtrack are in my, uh, you know, a couple of my playlists. Um, such a good soundtrack. And um, I just like it. It's just a fun, enjoyable game to play that has this weird mix of, like, very extremely uh, in-depth, detailed storytelling that does not pull any punches and leans into some of the aspects of Japanese culture and looks very shameful topics in the face, but also manages to be extremely humorous and lighthearted and between the art style and the music and, and the humor, like something that can make you laugh and smile. It is extremely good. And I want to get back to it. I want to finish that game. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm gonna come back to it this year. Um, yeah, which I'd basically have to restart because I was playing on Game Pass and they removed it for Tactica. Which uh, Tactica, uh, it doesn't click with me. Yeah, I mean, I I also was playing on Game Pass and I'm gonna have to restart, but that's okay. I don't mind to restart. I, I would do some things differently, especially now that I understood the game mechanics a little bit more. Um. I wouldn't, like, change everything, but I would interact with some of the characters a little bit differently. But, um, anyways, but, yeah. But then you're going to have to go through the sex, uh, 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 castle game. Oh, wait, that's an added bonus for you. Oh, no. Oh, no, you're going to have to fight the teacher in a thong. Oh, no. As if that's, uh, that's a punishment. Yeah, but speaking of punishments. Yeah. Um... The uh sorry, the the Uncanny Valley Award. Um you know, this game or this award can hit for different like in different ways. But you know, the Uncanny Valley, in case you don't know, dear listener, is um this kind of area where that things start to get really real in some way or another, but they're not a hundred percent there. So there's like a little bit of like a this feeling of an unease about something and it most often refers to like graphics of a game but it can it can do or graphics of a game or or you know some type of of artistic medium but it can be applied in other ways as well and i picked another game club game another one that for me personally was was very highly rated for the gear road 96 because of what i do being a therapist talking to people about their stories and sort of the story behind the development of this game as a way to express the the developers difficulties dealing with their um gender identities and their sort of working with the people in their lives and as a metaphor for what it means to be that type of person a queer person in a, in a place that doesn't readily accept queer people and i'm super oversimplifying the story like their personal story like stuff that i've read from them and whatnot but you know what i do as a therapist i work with that with people all the time and I have heard these stories of people being, you know, kicked out, disowned, abused for just wanting to be who they are. And um, Road 96, like, really touches on that in a way that is, you know, resonates really strongly with me for what I do and some of the personal stuff that I deal with as well to a, a lesser extent. I mean, the whole thing of the game is, like, politics and as... I mean, really someone in the world, but especially as an American with the political climate that we have, like seeing that play out is also another aspect of it that hits really close to home. And that is, you know, very, uh, (laughs) very hard 
to to confront and think about you know 2024 as an election year and i don't know how much you um listener or you really at rage at this point because you're working and your life is different now like but engage with like the ongoing political machinations of of this country well but it's like it this way i got a co-worker that watches way too much fox news yeah but it's just like boy howdy is this wild you know this is like a buck wild time that we're living in um and road 96 hits on some of those things so mm-hmm. And there's other aspects I'm sure that people can can look at it. You know, the way that it's told can strike a lot of people's personal stories. And for me, that's why it's the uncanny valley. It very clearly is looking at and drawing from and building on these real world experiences, but putting it in just a little bit of a hazy place where that it can make you feel uncomfortable and uncertain in a productive way. So there you go. Yeah, now I really wish I had dug more into the backstory of uh, Road 96 because I didn't back then and yeah. kind of put it out of my mind, you know? Yeah. Uh, and it also you know, makes the, uh, things a little bit more clear because, oh boy, some things are a little, uh, uh, comes on a little strong in that game, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For me, once again, I'm just going back to Need for Speed Unbound. Uh, And it's mostly due to the uncanny valley of those uh, character models. You know? I've really struggled with this one this year because nothing really jumped out at me. So I had to go kind of go back to the well, right? Yeah. Also, how it just never really felt like it gelled into a proper racing game and i'm not sure if it's just the fact that i'm a bit more of an old school uh, racing uh guy and uh while i do enjoy my arcade racing it's just felt too slippery it never really uh felt like i was in control or the fact that you know i'm watching the npcs you know do things that felt like my car just couldn't and i'm not sure if it's just you know because I was early in the story, I had unlocked the badass mobile, right? Yeah. It just never felt like I was actually you know, playing the game like it should be playing. And it just felt weird because of it. And then, you know, you, you get to the uh, end of the race and, you know, you have, you know, uh, this, like, 2D sprite of a person, uh, you know, make some gang sign, right? Yeah, and it might just be because I've been spoiled with you know games like even uh, more modern ones like uh, Forza Horizon feels better than Need for Speed, which is sad. <laughs> Forza no- Horizon, for better or for worse, sets the bar really high yeah. for arcade games. But even like the Dirt series has gone downhill. Uh, I mean, I absolutely hate the last. Uh, uh, iteration that I played a bit. Uh, yeah. There's just so many games that uh, are going more style over substance uh, with their driving model, and you know, Need for Speed is another one of those. Yeah. There's a way that you can do style that works, too, and I don't think Need for Speed did it. So, uh, moving on to the uh, from the uncanny to the best. The best game club game. And, well, we're in agreement with this one. 
Disco yep. Elysium. Disco Elysium. Boy, howdy. Was that... A hell of a ride? Was that a hell of a ride? I think... I loved Disco Elysium when I played it a couple years ago. I loved getting a chance to play it again for Game Club. I loved the story. And I have I had said at the time, and I think up until Baldur's Gate 3, this was true, that Disco Elysium is the best video game and like presentation of a tabletop role-playing game I had ever played. It is so good at the way that it handles all of those aspects and how that you can do something and it feels in a way like you're playing at a table with someone because you're like, oh, I wonder what, like, can I do this? Will the game account for me trying to do this? Will it Will it do something? And then 95% or more of the time, it's yes, yes, it does. It does account for you doing that. Um, and it has a response for you. The story is good. There's a lot of variety in the outcomes. The characters are interesting and deep. And different paths that you could take throughout it. If you want to be apologetic and try to be a meek person uh, from essentially your reboot. If you want to try to you know, uh, show off your persona. And that's even before you start getting to the uh, post-launch stuff where they added essentially whole side quests uh, with different political ideologies that you could go down. Yeah. Which I never actually got to trigger. I, I've, part of me wants to try uh, this again with a different uh, uh, focus. Yeah. It's such a shame of what happened to the developer and, uh, uh, well, I should say the creator in the, between that and the developer. Ironically enough, having it stripped uh, the rights, the, the, their game stripped away by a greedy capitalist, right? Yeah. That was a really fascinating documentary to watch. Um, I believe it's Jim who sent it to us last year. Yeah, that was I watched. The, I watched the whole thing. I was yeah. It's like shell companies inside of shell companies and wild shit. Yeah, but buck wild. And, but yeah, and it's so sad that we're probably not going to see a second Disco Elysium, no. or if we do, it's not going to yeah be this one. Yeah. Maybe some kind of like spiritual successor kind of deal, or maybe in you know a number of years somebody will get the rights that can do something with it. But yeah, it doesn't seem likely for now. So okay, well, uh, our favorite game. Moving on, our next to last award. Our favorite game played in 2023, and I've I've been mentioning it up and down both episodes. I've talked about it several times a little bit. And it's Baldur's Gate 3. I, like, Baldur's Gate 3 came in right at the very end of the year. And I was ready to pick one of the Game Club games or maybe something else that I had dedicated just, like, a ton of time to this year. Um, you know, or some mod for some game that I had spent a lot of hours in. And then for Christmas, you know, as you keep saying, his cubeness got <laughs> us Baldur's Gate 3. So, like... Right after Christmas, and before the end of the year, like five or six days, I put like 20-something hours into the game, and it's technically cheating, but fuck it, it's our show, we get to make the rules. Like, I have played Baldur's Gate 3 for something like 150 hours, and I still haven't beaten it yet, and there's so much to talk about, and we will do a full deep dive on this game, but Baldur's Gate 3, like I just said a second ago, like... 
up until Baldur's Gate 3, Disco Elysium was the best tabletop tra- or best video game version of a tabletop game I had ever played. Baldur's Gate 3 takes that. It is so good, and I cannot wait to do a deep dive on this yeah, game see. with you. Mm-hmm. I cannot wait to talk to because I have talked about this with with some of my other friends that I play, you know, D and D and other tabletop games with, and but they're not video game people, you know, like they like video games, they play video games, but like they don't consume and interact with video games in the way that you and I do. So I cannot wait to have a conversation with someone. Because of the way that you look at things, you tend to be a little more mechanically critical than I am. Mm -hmm. And so I can't wait to pick your brain about some of the things (laughs) in this game and be like, what do you think of this? Am I being too lenient? Or are we on the same page? Or is it that good? Like, I'm so looking forward to to getting into this later with you. So, Yeah, and the only reason why Baldur's Gate uh, isn't mine is that I didn't put enough time into it before the end of the year. Yeah. So it's very likely Baldur's Gate is going to show up for me next year. Oh, yeah. 100%. It's, going to, it's going to be setting a high bar. Yeah. But, ba- uh, go ahead. I, Baldur's Gate sets a high bar for the whole industry, I have to say. like, Yeah, I remember when it came out. And uh, it's part of the reason why I didn't pick it up right away. Is that there were so many articles about how... You know, uh, this sets a new bar. This is, uh, you know, uh, the, the industry's over, right? Yeah. And I mean, the industry's not over, but lots of times those articles can be hyperbole. Yeah. And, well, you know, well, well, Studio Lorian, it, they are masters at the CRPG the, at, at this point. Uh, uh, between their Divinity ser- uh, Original Sin series and now this, I mean, damn, right? They own this place in the market. Like, I, I, I you know, you I, and I, I, played... I hope that they don't, ha- you know, decide to cash in on all this goodwill, you know? Yeah. You know, you and I played. There's a, there's a little cynical uh, sp- uh, spot on me, you know? Yeah. Well, you and I played the entirety of Divinity Original Sin, the, the first one, yeah. together. And I ha- also had a second playthrough of that game. And I've played Divinity Original Sin 2 all the way through. Yeah, which I did kind of ruin the final boss. <laughs> No, 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 no! You, you destroyed the final boss. But that's that's the thing. Like that's what tabletop games are so like are all about. I mean, like, I stacked up what like three or four major buffs. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. You walk into the final boss room to fight God, and instead of it being an even match, you utterly destroyed him. Good job. Uh, <laughs> You did it. I'm so proud you, of you. You did lock us in here with you. You locked you in here with, <laughs> with me. With me. And yeah. It turns out God was secretly a cat. A part God. of the feline menace. All along. <laughs> God, I still remember that. So good. So good. Anyways, carry on. I'm here. I'm just... I wanted to make sure I got the right character because... Oh, <laughs> she was a beast. She was. She was. And I'm totally blanking on her name now. It started with an M. Um, pretty sure. I want to say like Missouri, but I don't. I don't think that's right. Divinity Original Sin character list. Medora. Medora. Well, I got the M part right. Oh no, I was close when I said Missouri. I was close. I mean, just. Uh, we skipped an entire phase of that fight. Yep. 
because of how quickly we destroyed, well, you with Medora destroyed that dragon. Beautiful. Mwah. Loved I mean, it. You, you had your uh, ranger guy, and I had Godslayer. Yeah. It would have been terrible if I missed, but I didn't. So for me, I wanted to pick something that wasn't a game club game. And, you know, that ruled out actually a fair amount of my stuff lately because, you know, working and coming home just bleh, right? Yeah. Although, you know, slowly building up a lot more stamina. So I'm uh, from there to... And I wanted to go into something that kind of opened up something new for me. And for me, I think that has to be Splatoon. I picked it up late in uh, uh, 2022. Or Splatoon 3, I should say. Uh, But I played it mostly in 2023, so I I, I think it counts. And it did a couple things really well for me. One, it is a more fast-paced shooter than what I usually play. But it doesn't feel overwhelming. It actually runs well on the Switch, which for the Switch, that's kind of a uh, you know, a miracle at this point. Uh, but it got me into more console shooters, and that's through uh, the method of uh, of, uh, of uh, control that the game uses that I've actually adapted to playing on the Steam Deck, where it's a combination of a thumbstick and a gyro controls without the need of an aim assist. Yeah. And it's one of those, uh, and it kind of taught me how to do it uh, really well without having to really make it dumbed down. Because a lot of Splatoon is projectile-based. Uh, there's not a hitscan weapon in the game. Uh, the closest you get is the Chargers, which are essentially sniper rifles, but they're still a slight lead-off, you know? Yeah. But it showed me that, yeah, yes, control uh, shooters can be enjoyable. It all comes down to control scheme, and the control scheme for most of them suck. You know? Yeah. I don't, yeah. Playing shooters on a, with a controller, like a, you know, quote-unquote, a traditional control scheme on a controller really does suck. hmm Yeah, I mean, every time I watch uh, gameplay on... Uh, YouTube, uh, like, trailers or something. It's like, oh, that's definitely a controller. Oh, that's not. Oh, oh that is. Because it's... It, you can always tell the... You know, a lot of sidestepping and a lot of, you know, slow turns, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but the way Splatoon does it is that uh, for big movements, you're using the thumbstick and it's a very high sensitivity on it as well. So, you know, there's a lot of wild movements. And then for small movements, uh, you're aiming with gyro controls. Either if you're holding the switch, you have, you have, yeah, unfortunately you're moving the screen as well. But if you're using a controller, uh, it makes it a lot better, actually. Uh, making uh, small adjustments to fine-tune things. So I've adapted that to using the Steam Deck, for example, where it has gyro-stop controls as well. But uh, but you can set it so it's only whenever you're like touching the thumbstick or touching a, the trackpad. Yeah, and it's made things uh, uh, more bearable. I mean, it's not my preferred uh, method. I still am my mouse keyboard all the way, but you know I can shoot things uh, that way. 
And it has a really wild lore about it. I'm looking forward to the DLC coming out. Uh, hang on, let me check the time. Uh, next month? Well, yeah, there's still the 31st, sorry. For, for some reason, I thought it was the 31st today. My days are so fucked up. Yeah, nope, today uh, is the 30th. Uh, but yeah, the new DLC, which is looking to be like a roguelite shooter, which, oh boy, right? Yeah. Uh, and uh, just the... Uh, while it's a dribble of content, you know, having uh, something to look forward to every few months coming out uh, has been fun. Nice. Well, this brings us to our uh, our final category, um, which is the VGL Podcast Game of the Year Award, one that we always discuss. I, and I'm, that... I'm not sure there's much of a discussion this year. <laughs> okay. Uh, Disco Elysium. Yeah. <laughs> that feels correct. I mean, you know, there were a couple of others that I, I would have... Um, let me pull the list up over here. There were a couple of others that I have discussed off of the Game Club list that, you know, it, Persona 5, mm-hmm. maybe. Um, Starfield. No, I'm fucking with you. Uh, <laughs> uh, don't you wish. <laughs> Uh, always. Uh, but yeah, Persona 5, Road 96 for me, although I know that you didn't, you didn't connect with it quite as much as you did. as much as I did, rather. I, mean, I think that's mostly just due to not knowing the back story of it. Yeah. Um, those, uh, those were kind of the, the top, I guess you could say three for me. Yeah, for, Disco Elysium, Road yeah, 96, for me, I would have done, uh, well, Disco Elysium, of course, uh, Persona 5, and then, well, I'd probably do four, uh, Professor Lighton and mm-hmm. uh, Chicory. Chicory was interesting. I did like Chicory. It didn't rise to um, quite that level for me, but Chicory was definitely like, you know, top five, probably f- fifth for the year for me, fourth or fifth. Like, you know, I, I just listed off my top three, but, mm-hmm. but like Chicory was, was, you know, within, within striking distance. I mean, Chicory was a surprise. I think, uh, if we had our award for yeah, biggest game club surprise, it would have definitely won it on that one, just because of how dark it went. Yeah, but yeah, Disco Elysium just—it's just so good. Yeah. Well, that was easy. You're right; <laughs> it didn't require much of a discussion. I, I was curious what you were going to say. I thought Disco Elysium would would be one of the potential options. You would say, and you were like, "Not much discussion. It it has to be Disco Elysium." I'm like, "Yeah, you're right. You're right." But I could I could have been talked into uh, Persona Five. I think relatively like if I was giving them you know like grades like Disco Elysium is like a one hundred and Persona Five is like a ninety eight or a ninety nine. It's like I could have been talked into Persona Five if you had said well, Persona I think, Five. I think the problem with Persona Five for me is that I didn't get as far in it as I wanted, and then I set it down and Game Pass took it away. Yeah. The only downside of Game Pass is sometimes games do go away. I mean, I do have it on Switch. Well, okay, Adida has it on Switch, and I can borrow it. Yeah. Uh, so I still have access to Persona 5, but I don't have... I can't transfer the save file, unfortunately. Yeah. And this year just got uh, yeah, off to such an amazing start with Disco Elysium. 
yeah, it, it set the pace for the year um, in a way that I don't think... Uh, uh, Road 96, I think, uh, uh, got really hurt with just its placement on the list. Yeah. I I don't think, you know, we've only said what the, the January Game Club game is, you know, SteamWorld build, but like yeah. I don't think anything on the list is gonna do what Disco Elysium did well, that we've got on the list so one. far. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I'm looking forward to everything on the list this year, but like, man, Disco Elysium is a great one. Like, it's up there. So, I'm, and I'm looking at the past years too, like, what games in the past have, have hit me in the same way Disco Elysium did? Hmm. I'm, in, I'm looking at 2020. Uh... Now I'm in 2019, <laughs> 2018. I mean, it's probably up there for best game club we've done, period. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's a couple I'm looking at being like, yeah, those were really good, super memorable. I love them. Like, But even like the mighty Battletech, like my reasons for loving Battletech are very deep and very long running, <laughs> you know, long standing. But what Disco Elysium does is so good. It sets it off apart on its own. So. And it also it's comes out swinging right from the bat, uh, right right from the get go, you know. Yeah, Disco Elysium. You, I think you're right. Disco Elysium may be the best game club game we've ever played so far. So far, looking at this list though, like we have played a lot of really good games over the years. We've had some stinkers to be sure, but like we've played some really good games. And sometimes uh, things surprise us on. Uh, uh, a good side or a bad side? Yeah. Let's see. Bastion. Mm, first game club we ever did. Bastion. Good. Good stuff. To the Moon. Good. Mm. Papers, Please. Good. Alan Wake. Good. Life is Strange. Boy, that was a good one, too. Mm-hmm. Shadow of the Colossus. <laughs> Overrated. Uh, <laughs> Brothers of Tale of Two. Like, I, yeah, I'm not going to sit here and read the entire list. There's like... What, 70, 60, 70 games on here? One, well, two, we originally three, were trying four, to do them uh, five, once every two six. weeks, which, boy, that was a mistake. Yeah. Eight. Oh, gee, really? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah, eight years worth of Game Club. Mm-hmm. You know, they, we've not quite managed 12 a year every year. There's a, been a couple years where we haven't done it, but, you know. Let's let's just call that average ten a year. That's eighty games that we have played and talked about over mm-hmm. the years. Boy, howdy! This is this has been a wild ride. Ten <laughs> years, or not ten years, eight years. Oh God! Yeah. Oh boy! Now that we uh, now that we feel old. Well, may- yeah, maybe I'm old. Maybe I'm old, but we've been doing this a long ass time. Um. Anyways, okay. Let's let's wrap it up for the night. Um. Any. Final thoughts, last words, parting words before we get them the socials and everything. Not really. Outside of damn, I'm tired. <laughs> I feel yeah. old. Feel very old. That's okay. All right. Well then, hey Rage, why don't you uh, hit them with them socials? Well, I've been Caffeine Rage. You could uh, contact me on uh, t- on the Blue Burb uh, ca- uh, Gaming of CR, or if you're to be my friend on Steam, Caffeine Rage over there, and you've been. I have been Jared. You can, of course, contact me on our Discord. You can find me on Twitter at JMA4707. Find me on Blue Sky under the same handle. Um, and, you know, you can just, I guess, find me if you 
live near me, I suppose. Might be weird, but, you know, you can find me. I've talked about the, the town that I live in a number of times. You know where to go. I'll give, okay, I'll, 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 I'll give you I'll give you a hug and, and blow you a kiss if you if you come see me and then I'll I'll be like why why did you do this because I Anyways. want to join the commune I, I I'm a professional chicken man now excellent fryer. excellent come I on shall in make you chicken I I shall eat that chicken anyways uh yeah, yeah but it's gonna be breaded so there's gonna be carbs that's fine I don't mind I like carbs. I can just do more drugs. <laughs> That's why they exist. Yeah, now price capped. Or or going to be. Going to be. Mwah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Good thing to see when it happens. Anyways. Well, well, if you wish to contact us about, the, uh, about our awards, if you wish to talk about uh, any of our choices, or what you would have done, you do so podcast at gmail.com. Or you can tweet us, VGL Podcast, on the Twitter. Our lovely, lovely patrons have uh, paid for the stress I've destroyed. You can find out more at patreon.com slash VGL Podcast. Our intro and outro music... Oh, sorry, I forgot the website, vglpodcast.podbean.com, which will have the show notes, which will probably just be a list of timestamps for the blocks, unless uh, yeah, Jared feels very compelled to uh, put more effort in. Definitely not. not. But you can find a link to the Discord at the top to be able to drop in and join our discussions. Or just uh, send us stuff on there, because that also works. Our yep. intro and outro music is whatever song we're playing right now. <laughs> yes. Uh, by Kevin McLeod. You can find his work over at Incomputech.com. And... As always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice. But why not? Yeah. Bye.